0: Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Would it be enough? If you were a spat out of the stinking belly of a fish... Would it be enough for you to thankfully dedicate every thought, word, and action to glorify Jesus sinners doth receive? Jonah had been spat out, that stinking belly of a fish, and he appears changed. He uh, obeyed God, set out for Nineveh. Uh, apparently desiring to glorify Jesus sinners, doth receive. And yet, I wonder how much of a battle every step of that journey was for him. His sinful flesh pulling back. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus directing him forward. What if my countrymen hear that I went to Nineveh to seek their salvation... They'll label me a traitor. They'll have my skin. And what's the point of wasting this time? Jonah had been preaching and preaching to Israel, and there'd been so little fruit. So few in Israel would listen and repent. So what a waste of time to go to Nineveh. This haughty empire, is not going to listen to a a lowly peasant from a vassal country tell them, you've got to repent. Perhaps Jonah falsely thought that he could measure the effectiveness of God's word on the basis of a person's cultural background or social status or family ties to the word of God. But 2 Corinthians declares that God's word is mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down high images and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity, yes, every thought to the obedience of Christ. So did Jonah argue back to God? These Assyrians, Lord, they're known through the whole world for their wanton cruelty, delighting in torturing people, building their victory monuments with the skulls of their victims. They won't repent. They'll have me skewered on a pole and flaying me alive within an hour of my telling them, you've got to repent. And yet Jonah stumbled on. he'd seen the futility of trying to run away from God's calling. and so he started preaching on the street corners, in the marketplaces, forty days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. And then he watched probably the most remarkable revival in history in Israel. So few would listen. Now the whole metropolis listened. And the king repented and commanded everyone to turn from their evil ways, to fast, to put on sackcloth, pleading for the Lord's mercy. Behold the miracle of grace that the Lord brought repentance and forgiveness to Nineveh. They glorified. Jesus, sinners, doth receive. This might raise a question. If God, in grace, could bring such a revival in Nineveh, why didn't he in Israel? Isaiah 55. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so much higher are God's ways than ours. Yet the Lord does at times give us small glimpses into the wisdom and grace of his way. Under 12 kings, Israel had gone from bad to worse. <clears throat> the Lord had risen up early, sending prophets to call back his bride. His heart had bled for them. But they would not. When he provided prosperity, they forgot him. When he took it away, they cursed him and turned to the bales. Jesus tells us that unbelief is always because man will not believe. Though the Lord is tearfully attempting to gather it. Are we like them? Do our hearts sometimes focus on what we want rather than what the Lord wants? My prosperity, my pleasure, right or wrong, it's got to come first. So what else could the Lord do for Israel? He wrote in Deuteronomy... I will move them to jealousy by those who are not my people. Even when for many generations Israel had refused to repent, the Lord did not give up on them. He used Nineveh's repentance to provoke Israel to jealousy, to return to his arms. Romans 11. Oh, the death of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Does God have to use such drastic means with you and me to provoke us to jealousy, to bring us back to himself? So what about it? Would it be enough if you were spat out of the stinking belly of a fish to thankfully dedicate every thought and word and action to glorify Jesus sinners doth receive behold the miracle of grace we you have been delivered from the stink of sin and the belly of death and though we are thankful even with our best intent, we fail every day with that dedication, don't we? But behold the miracle of grace. God's grace is new unto you every morning. Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God Grace is giving you what you cannot earn or deserve. You have been saved. It's accomplished. In the death of Jesus for your sins, and his resurrection, for you being declared righteous before God. No more living in the stinking belly of the fish. Saved is now your status. Your dwelling place and faith itself is God's gift to receive His grace in your hearts. That is not a grace to be thrown in the gutter. That's a grace to be taken to the bank. A grace that you can withdraw from heaven's own bank every day. Because that is God's promise to you. This grace, and this grace alone... Can renew us daily to again thankfully dedicate ourselves with every thought, word, and action to glorify Jesus, sinners, doth receive. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. Amen. In 324. 324. Stanzas 4 and 6.